Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode number 93 of the Curtain Call podcast. Episode 93, if we're going by the years in the 90s, we are approaching the Dynasty episodes for the Curtain Call podcast, John. Uh, this is always a production of the Yes Network. He is Yes Network president of production and programming and executive producer, John J. Filippelli. I'm Justin Shackle. Our wonderful producer, Dan Bassone, is with us for the ride as well. If you are already not doing so, subscribe to the podcast so you never miss the latest episode. We are going to talk about the Yankees as they just wrapped up the first edition of the Subway Series. They're getting ready for the weekend up at Fenway Park against the Red Sox. But we have a guest that we've been kind of talking about coming on for a few episodes now. And we have him on this episode. We have, yes, lead producer for Yankee Game Broadcast, Troy Benjamin. Troy is essentially the captain of the crew, John, that's on the ground and responsible for getting Yankee games on the air. So I think listeners are going to be able to learn more about how exactly Yankees baseball is delivered to their screen each and every game. Troy's also a fantastic sports fan. So really happy that he was able to come on here. When did you first meet Troy Benjamin, John? Um, the early days of the network, when we were forming the network, uh, uh, you know, I met him. He was a PA, production assistant, uh, in the early days, and uh, and um, I got a chance to you know, spend obviously a lot of time with him, around him, especially we were building the network. And you know, he's a great, he's got tremendous talent. He has an incredible knowledge of sports. He's a uh, he's a uh, love, passion, his passion just cuts through everything. So he's a he's a passionate person who loves sports, and he's got great knowledge of the game, and and uh, good people person. A lot of skills that just jump out at you they just cut through and they uh it's easy to he's easy to talk to easy to get to know and easy to to really uh appreciate his tremendous talent yeah i think for like this this hot take era of of sports fans they just think they want to you know throw a statement out there with with their friends if they're just discussing sports if troy is in that circle and you're thinking about making a statement on what's going on in sports you better make sure you're accurate you better make sure that you're on point and you're bringing it because he'll call you out for it if you're wrong. He'll know whether or not you're wrong. I think he gives uh, some of the best uh, sports opinions and outlooks on what's going on in front of us all. I think like in another life too, he could be a terrific sports talk host uh, on the radio, but he does a terrific job, obviously, producing uh, Yankee games. And well, let's start with the Yankees, John. Um, we, we were only putting out of the last episode, I think right before the Red Sox series at home, they played those three games. They played two more against the Mets, and then now they have another weekend series with the Red Sox. But a lot was packed in, a lot was known over these last five games with Boston and the Mets. And not all of it is positive, sad to say. They split two games with the Mets, and on Wednesday night, they went one for 15 with runners in scoring position. So only five games since we last recorded but when it comes for this offense without Aaron Judge, it, it's kind of made me scratch my head and ask, well, why? Why is this talented bunch underperforming here? It's tough to find an answer right now. Well, you know, a lot of it is that obviously you can't you can't lose Judge. And you lose Judge, it's it's a different team. Judge is a, it's a difference maker for sure, obviously. Uh, but it's also the, the guys behind him are, are really good players. Went healthy, went right, and you know. But right now, they're, they're, a lot of these guys are slumping or struggling, and it's not just not getting the job done. I mean, you can't, you can't. I mean, this Rizzo's gotten some hits the last day, day or so. 
Uh, Stanton at home run the other day. I mean, it's he's starting to give you something back. Donaldson is starting to hit just in general. He's hit some home runs, but that didn't really give you much beyond that. Although he's played great defense at third for sure. Um, you know, so you're starting to get guys. You you need Donaldson to be Donaldson. You need Rizzo to be Rizzo. You need Stanton to be Stanton. You you need those kind of you know contributions from from your guys, and when you're not getting. That I mean, Volpe has got to start becoming the player that the Yankees believe he's going to be. I mean, he's never going to be full. That full picture is not going to develop for a while yet. But the Yankees need more than what they're getting from him right now. You just can't have a guy who's on base percentage is two hundred. I mean, that's just not working. And, and, and so you know, all these things are getting they're they're all magnified because the Yankees are playing. They lose two out of three to the Red Sox. They split with the Mets. I mean, it should be the other way around. I mean, honestly, the Mets, the Yankees are a better team than the Mets. The Mets are having really struggling right now. Have a lot of problems right now. And the Yankees should have been able to, even though it's in City Field, they should have been able to sweep them. They should have been. They should have taken two out of three from the Red Sox. They should have because the games were at Yankee Stadium. You know, and they should have won two of those. They should have won two or three anyway. So there's a lot of what is here should have as good as, but the the Yankees need to start playing better baseball. Period. I mean, they're they're uh, getting they're just inconsistent. They win, they lose. They win, they lose. They win, they lose. That's their consistency. Is that they're inconsistent, and that's not a good. That's not a consistency you want. And so they've got to find something. And the players are going to start stabilizing. I mean, the Yankees need to stabilize their rotation. They got to get start getting consistent performances because the Yankees need to go on a run here somewhere. And the division they're in is everybody's over five hundred, just about it, Red Sox or whatever. But everybody's playing pretty well, so that's a real tough division to go on a run with because it's going to be hard because everybody's so evenly matched. And the Yankees don't right now are not pulling away from anybody right now. The Yankees need to find themselves in a position where everybody starts hitting the way they're supposed to and pitching the way they're supposed to. Their bullpen is magnificent. If their starters can fight, can right the ship and the hitters can come up to, to the, the level that they're capable of doing, then the Yankees could be a real force here. But until that happens, they're not going to be that. So they need that to happen. And Judge coming back is, is first and foremost in that equation as well. One thing that jumps out at me when you just go over the stat sheet after certain games or certain series, the Yankees on base percentage is a team. Right now, 300 on the dot. That's uh, 300 on base percentage. That is that is tough to look at. Only two other teams have worse on base percentages than the Yankees, the White Sox and the Royals. So there's there's been mounting evidence within these last five games. You could take the Chicago series in there as well against the White Sox. That kind of suggests what you were talking about. With the Yankees offense, without Aaron Judge, it is uh, just aching for another capable hitter to step up and it's not happening. They do have the personnel. We've yet to see it though. And conversely with the pitching in, I think in some ways, the emergence of Clark Schmidt over the last month, Domingo Herman's been pitching very, very well. I think in some ways the rotation is kind of offset the underperformances and the overperformances from guys like Schmidt and Herman and, and the bullpen is elite. And that might be what stings the most for me, John, because at some nights it feels like this terrific pitching is is being wasted in a sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it really has been. Um, you know, it, again, they are getting look. Herman has pitched. I I'd say Herman has pitched extremely well, and Schmidt is pitching better. You know, he's mm-hmm. you know he struggled in the beginning mightily. He's not struggling mightily now, but he's still you know he's still not giving you innings. He's giving you five, right? He's not giving you a lot more. And 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 he's still giving up home runs and he's still making mistakes and but but you know that's part of the learning curve is that he, like it's it goes back to like Volpe hitting where, where he's hitting and not hitting not hitting well 
Well, you know, if this was any other year, and and then then say say Judge is in the lineup and he's doing what he's capable of doing, which is a lot, and then the focus wouldn't be so much on Volpe. It wouldn't be on Schmidt. It would be you allow those players to be those players, like develop at a pace that okay, so maybe this is slower than a lot of people would like, and you're not getting the performance you would like to see. But at the end of the day, it's part of the learning process. Let them go. Let them play. Let them learn. You know, like let Cabrera make his mistakes. Let it, let it, I mean, you know, that, that's the same argument that says Barraza should be on the roster and Floriel should be on the roster. Let's see what they have, see what they've got. And if they can't cut the mustard, well, they can't cut the mustard. But but if they can, you know, then you've then you've got some pieces to play with that are really quite quite attractive. And and, and whether you keep them or you trade them, they, there's real value in whatever. But the Yankees need to see what they have. And, and I don't know they'll give those guys a chance yet to see what they have. But, but at some point, they they can't just say, well, I know what we've got. No, you don't know what you have because you know, Peraza is a hell of a shortstop. He's a really good defender, really good. And, you know, I don't know if he's a hitter that they want him to be. Oh, he's a better hitter than Volpe or potentially a better hitter. I don't know. Maybe Volpe's not a shortstop. Maybe he's a second baseman. You know, I don't know if that dawned on anybody, but maybe he is. He could be that. I, I like him as a shortstop, but you know what? Maybe, but Peraza is right. So suppose Peraza is a shortstop and Volpe is a second baseman. If Torres leaves, is Torres leaving? Who knows? We don't. Torres is going. We don't know what's going on there. It's a free agent, though. He's pretty capable of leaving if he wants to. What happens there? So there's a lot of question marks there. And right now, the that's why the Yankees have to try to find some certitude, some stability on that. They don't have stability right now. They need to stabilize this team. They need, they need to do that. And I think Brian Cashman realizes that. And I, I'm sure he will. Something I think about going back to last year when they got off to a phenomenal start and right before the injuries happened, I think one of the one of the issues that a lot of people believe was an issue was Isaiah Kiner Falefa at shortstop. It did prove to be an issue, but they thought maybe when the team's going well, this could be a perfect time to kind of integrate a young talent like an Oswald Peraza. And they they didn't do it then. He he could have come up when things were going really well and kind of learn and be hidden, in a sense, deep into that lineup while things were going well. Instead, they they promoted him up in, in September when they, you know, they needed him to maybe uh, overperform as a young and experienced rookie. And, and obviously that, that when you look at it that way, well, probably didn't work out the best way that they hoped. Uh, this year, like you mentioned, at this moment, with Aaron Judge out, the Yankees are not scoring a lot of runs. I think they're averaging less than three runs per game over this this current stretch. So it it, it can't get much worse, and and it could eventually behoove you to bring up guys like Peraza and Florio, like you were saying. Like if you want to figure out what you have and give those players opportunities around the main supporting cast, the Rizzo's, the Lemayus, the Stantons. Well, now's the time. So we'll, we'll wait and see if it if it does happen over the next few weeks or so um all of this is being documented by the yes network by the way every day the 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 day-to-day season story is being documented by the likes of michael k and paul o'neill and, and david Cohn in the booth meredith obviously in in the clubhouse but uh there's one person behind all of that john and i i kind of refer to him as the, as the captain of the ship that's uh in the waters day-to-day boots on the ground type of thing with with the the yes crew and that's troy benjamin uh he's our guest here let's get to troy's spot uh again troy is the lead producer for yankee games on the yes network troy grateful enough as uh he gets his crew ready 
for a big weekend series over at Fenway Park. Here is Troy Benjamin, our guest this week on Curtain Call. Troy, thanks so much for joining us here uh, right off the bat, because we like to get some insight into TV production here with Yankees baseball. What are the main ingredients that make great television for a live sporting event? Well, first of all, how are you doing, Justin? Doing great. All right. You're on with us. All right. I'm ecstatic. I'm, I'm happy. To, I'm excited and happy to be on the well-famous side curtain call, first of all. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Very tough question. I wouldn't say tough, but okay. I'll try to answer it in a, in a certain amount of way. You make great television. You got to have great people working working around, working with you, right? You need great talent. You need great camera people. You need great tape people. So basically, you just need you need to be surrounded by 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 talented people in the business, and that will, that will definitely enhance enhance the broadcast for me personally, because. The way I look at it, certain games, right? Like we could go into a city and and uh, do a do a ball game, and people behind the scenes will not know like the grind it takes if you have like a lesser crew working behind you. So sometimes you might think, well, wow, that game was that was just a basic baseball game. But if you would see what the producer and the director had to pull through to make to make to make a show great, so there's a lot there's a there's a lot there behind what I just said. But I definitely think great talent, great people working behind the scenes, give you a great telecast and also if you have a great game itself too that 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 makes it even that makes it even better what do you what do you think flip you agree or disagree with that with that uh i think that's pretty much on you hit the nail right on the head i mean no, no matter you could be the greatest producer greatest director greatest anything but you know it's such a collaborative business that it takes so many people doing their jobs for a telecast to come out and be what it, what you envision it to be what you hope it will be um, it really is a collaborative situation. If everybody's not doing their job, and I mean, the always have to be all going in the same direction. That's the talent upstairs in the booth, and it's your crew around you. It's it's the people in the front deck and the back deck of the truck. Everybody's got to be in in sync and, and going in the same direction. And that's even if you're having the best game ever, if people around you are not having theirs, then the, the, the game these telecasts will show. Everybody needs to be in sync. Everybody needs to be prepared. Everybody needs to have a, a focus, a direction, and a vision. And when that happens, and it happens a lot, you have greatness. Don, was there a moment over the course of, of Troy's time at Yes, and just based on your vast experience in, in sports TV production where you're like, hey, he could be the guy for such a heavy responsibility in terms of being the lead producer for Yankee games one day. I, I, that's an interesting question. I, I don't know what it was exactly that, uh, because I know him a long time since basically the formation of the company, which is like 22 years ago. So, you know, I, it's, we've, our paths crossed obviously many times, many times in production. And, and, uh, he, he showed he's got what it takes. He got, he has what you can't teach. And you could teach a lot of things in life and in business and anything, but he has what you can't teach. He has uh, a, a, he has an incredible work ethic. You can't teach a work ethic. You either have it or you don't. So he has a great work ethic. He's got tremendous knowledge of sports and, 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 and a lot of things in life too, but also but 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 sports as a as a you know as a major, if you will. Okay, he's got great knowledge of encyclopedia. Uh, Encyclopedic uh, knowledge of sports. So he has knowledge of sports. He's very prepared. He's got great people skills. Works really well. People like him. He likes people. You know, he's funny. He's got. He's got. Those things are not. Not, not givens. I mean, so he has personality. He's got leadership. He's got. 
knowledge. He's got you know preparedness. He's got all those things, and they'll, they'll, you get, and then a lot more actually. But those are the principal things. So I, over time, you see it. Over time, you get to know people. Over time, you realize you have something. And when the right time came to to move him to where we moved him, we we put him there. And uh, and I'm very proud of that move, and I'm very proud of him, what he's accomplished in a, a three years, a third year, hopefully. So in third year now, doing this, he's he's he's, a, he's a, an elite in the business already. Troy, your encyclopedic knowledge on sports something that stands out to me too. Uh, when when did you like first get into sports growing up in New York City? So, so I was born in Antigua in the, in the West Indies, right? So Antigua is like a British. It was a, it was a British colony, and you know, like the love for for sports is is major down there. So started growing up like like soccer and cricket and cricket and stuff. So all my my family just into it. So when I first moved to the States, so, you know, I, didn't, I knew nothing about baseball and, and football and the sports, but I knew I love sports. So if I wanted to have friends, I had to learn, learn these sports. Right. So I would go to the library when I was like third grade, started third grade, catch up on baseball, read all the books, all the books that I could about like certain sports and just the knowledge and history. And it just came and I loved it. So that just stuck to me. I read the I read the New York Post, New York Daily News every day of my life from, from third grade on. So I just, I, the back back page is just, so it just, it just stuck to me. And uh, and it just came to me naturally because I just loved any, anything with a bat and a ball I, I, I was into. I was into. So, you know, my first love was cricket. But when you come to the stage, there is no cricket. So then you have to pick up a baseball is the closest thing to cricket. So I, I had to find out. So if I wanted to fit in with the circle of friends that I, that I was in, I had to learn everything about sports, man. So basically watch every Yankee game that, that every, anything – Basketball, baseball, anything on TV, watched it, read it. So I was, I was just into it. I was hooked. You still follow cricket? I mean, it's, it's so much more accessible now. You ever, you ever get pulled back in? I don't because, because the guys I loved as a kid growing up, and I played it too. I was pretty good too when I was, um, when when I was young. The guys I loved, they, you know, they kind of retired and stuff. So I don't follow it as much anymore. But it's still, it's, it will always be my first love. It's 22 years now, and yes, Troy, and you've seen it from you know through the prism of, of different positions in the mm-hmm. company, or production position. Um, now you're you know you've got the top jobs in the company. How do you see going back over those 22 years? First, what are your favorite moments at Yes? And then I'm going to ask you your favorite moments so far as a producer. We have a pretty good idea what that may be, but but your favorite moments at Yes in 22 years? What what events? What what happened? What transpired that you always remember? The launch. The, launch. The, the 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 launch. We did that first. Um, I was in the studio, but we did that first spring training game against against the Reds. When Michael and Michael came on the air, then uh, I think um, might have been Kenny or Kitty. I'm not sure it was, but just the fact was that I was part of a, I'm part of the beginning, right? Because and then all my friends, I used to work at MSG, and as soon as they saw it, when Yes came up on the air, it was like, oh. Yes is not going anywhere because uh, there was a beginning like people at MSG thought like uh, yes will be gone yes will be we're, we're gonna get the Yankees back and um and this is not gonna last but when when they saw the what do we call it the, um, the net ID come on the air and the yeah. way we came yeah. on the air and the way it looked they knew they knew right oh this is this is this is long standing this is not going anywhere but for me that that first day and just working working those shows I I love the early years I know I was only in I was only like a PA back then but it was for me the launch. The launch, then I produced my first Yankee game in uh, 2009 in Oakland. That always stood. That those two would always stand out. Stand out to me. 
Those are those your favorite moments? Yes, yes. Yeah. For for me, for me personally, yes. yes, of course, of course. Interesting, interesting. Um, uh, favorite. What do you think? And I'm putting those aside. Those two aside. In terms of the art history, the history of the company. Yes, twenty two years. Besides yeah. the one, what moment stands out to you above all others? Wow. And the, the company, the company itself, or just regarding um, regarding the events, the, the things on the air. What what you've seen on the air in twenty two years? What has been your favorite? Is your favorite thing you've seen in the twenty two years? I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something. What I noticed about yes, we never, we never. I don't want to say botch, but when it's a big moment, we always deliver. I mean, you can you can, Jesus, um, Jesus three thousand, right? To deliver, it just. We're always there, and, and and I don't know if people can realize that because because when you work in the TV business, I think a lot of people watch you to see like, oh, are they gonna are they gonna mess this up? Like, I I think a lot of people, I don't want to say they're hoping for that, but they're looking to critique or nitpick any little thing. There's not a big moment that's happening. Yes, Jesus three thousand. I think the whole Judge Chase last year. I think Dan Barr and myself. I think I I think we handle ourselves well well in that. But I don't think we've never. We always deliver. We always have everything. Yes, that's that's what I like about working for you too. It's you spend no expense with anything. Hey, you're you're not gonna let us drop the ball with any big moment that's happening. So that that's for me. I I, I think the Jeter, the Jeter three thousand, that that chase and the judge, and the judge uh, going sixty the record. Those those two definitely um stand up stand stand out for me. That we're that I I think personally we we nail those we nail those moments. We share those two. We definitely share the Jeter 3000. And obviously the Judge Chase last year was, was phenomenal. He did a phenomenal job. Um, I would add I would add the passing of George Steinbrenner. Yes, yes. That yes, the way, and, and you will, and definitely, definitely. I, I can't, you're right about that because it's funny, but not funny, but when, some, when someone like George passed away, the way we handle that situation, you work in the phones, Ashley Fugazi working the phones trying to get people to speak on that. The way we covered that as a network, yeah, definitely. Some because I was in the I was in the studio that day too, so that's definitely it's part of that. The way we you, way we could just cobble anybody up. Your Rolodex is uh, magical, so you just like anybody you, you can't honor George Steinbrenner. That that was great. Uh, yeah, you're right about that. Let me ask you both this question, bouncing off some of these answers here. What do you believe is in the daily approach that? makes the Yes Network ready to go for these big moments. The man on the man on um, the man on the call, Justin. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll be I'll be honest with you. Like if if he wasn't because it's rare that you have a guy that that's that's a head of that's a head of production that's actually been in the trenches. That's actually that that knows exactly what goes on. So so you can't come to him and say, hey, you can't you can't you can't you know what I'm saying? You guys say, hey, we need this. Or he's going to say, yeah, you, you you guys need to go get that. You need to have that. You need to have this. You need to, because he's been there. So when you have a, when you have like a boss that's been at that level, that's been where you're at, and even at a higher level, he knows what you need. So without him, I don't, I'm not sure if a lot of these things happen. So I'll give, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give, I'll give 95%, of, I give majority of credit to, uh, to Flip because he, he's been there. He's, he's done it. Well, that's I appreciate that. It's very kind of you to say, and, and thank you. But you know, it's um, it, it's it's the thing that makes this special. Like when I when I was at NBC, you know, we used to feel that you know baseball was was our birthright. 
covering baseball was our birthright. And anybody else who did baseball, there were other people who did it, but I didn't think anybody did it as well as we did it. And I still believe that back in the day, I think NBC was certainly the the leader in in, in that sports coverage, especially baseball. Yeah, but the but you have to you have to have people in this who feel like you feel, who feel like um, it's your birthright that you you don't want to ever fail. You don't ever want to fail. Period. But if you go, you don't certainly don't want to fail when the spotlight's on you when you're in big moments. I mean, that's how people remember you. How you chronicle an event is almost as important as the event itself because how people are going to remember it. How you know you know when Harry Coyle. And Kirk Gibson, you know, took the camera, stayed on Kirk Gibson, he went around the bases and then a home run in, in World Series game one in 88, the most famous home run in probably World Series history, one of them. Um, I mean, that was no, that, that's remembered. You see Gibson going around pumping his fists and doing whatever. That, that if, he, if he's on a cutaway someplace else, you don't get that shot. You don't get what, you don't get that iconic moment underscored the way it was. And, you know, people either have an instinct for it. I think big moment slows down for them or it doesn't. And that's tough at a big moment, like to say big moment slows down for you. It's like, no, if you're really good at something, anything in life, particularly in this business, the business we're in, the big moment doesn't elude you. You don't look at a moment and say, oh my God, I'm this, I'm petrified. What do I do? You instinctively know what to do. You you feel, you you, you say, okay, I can't wait for this to happen because when it happens, I, I know where we're going to go. I don't know where we're going to go, but we'll, in a moment, we'll figure out where we're going. And the people around me will be up to whatever it is that I decide I want to do. But you need the people around you to be right in lockstep with you. And the difference is we've, from the beginning of this network, we've had also a lot of people who did this before. I mean, I just didn't hire willy-nilly. I hired people who done and had experience doing this. And so, and the people who didn't have experience who were learning, they were really smart, they were really prepared, and they really wanted to learn. So they had the drive to learn. They had the, they had the, 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 the IQ that it takes, the, the sports IQ that it takes to be successful. And, you know, we, we, we became, you know, kind of the mantra of our company was, you know, you know, you know, stars, storyline, strategy, buzz throws, words we throw around and, and, but be prepared. Don't let the moment get too big for you. And, and, you know, and we're, and we're as good as we are. The group is as good as it is collectively. That's as good as we're going to be on the air. So, I mean, we had the philosophy, we had those people and we, you know, we made those moments work. And unfortunately, as you mentioned, when we had big moments and we had quite a few of them, we, you know, we we never dropped the ball. You know, that, sometimes you get lucky in moments like that. But reality is, you know, honestly, you make your own luck. If you're good at something and the people around you are good at what you do, when your moment arrives, you'll be up to that task and you're going to achieve and you're going to succeed. I'll say something quick too, Shaq. The, the, the thing that helps us with this is that we 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 never approach it as, as we're just a regional, we're just a regional television network. We, we, we come at it like, hey, this is a, this is, a, you're getting a network production, a network show seven days a week mm-hmm. and and that's invaluable like we treat we treat the yankee you know the yankee property as as the way it should be so we we approach this as hey we are the big we're the biggest show in town we're coming in and and we're doing it so this is you're getting network quality i think production and the way we do things for regional for regional network and and it's never been done it's never been done like i don't think it's ever been done before so and that's the beauty that's the beauty of the yes network yeah, I think that's certainly visible for sure. Um, all right, Troy, when you're home yep. watching sports on TV, yes, uh, how are you watching? How are you watching a sporting event? Because it has to be different from the average viewer. Yeah, so for instance, I come home Yankee game. I pop on like other baseball games, right? I, I watch it to see, hey, 
And then I watch to say, are we doing the right thing? Can I look, can, can we get better? How, you know, I watch it comparing, comparing, mm -hmm. contrasting how, how we cover a game, how other networks cover a game. All right. And so wait, yeah. let me interject really quick. Take, take away baseball, maybe like okay. a basketball game. Yeah, even that. Like, do, you, do you completely consume it as, a, as an average fan or do you, fan. are you watching yeah. it through the prism of TV producer? I watch it. For instance, I'm watching Georgetown college basketball. I'm, I'm a huge Georgetown fan. I'll, I'll say that right. So I, I, at first I want to be a fan. And then when the producing director do something that kind of pisses me off, I'm like, yeah, what are you doing? So it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to like, to watch it just as a fan. I was like, oh, why did you, why did they do this? And when I say, why did they do this? I know what I'm talking about. I'm just not like a guy in a bar sitting like, hey, what happened here? No, I'm like, no, nah, that's not good. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm analyzing producers. I'm analyzing directors. I'm like, uh, and I'll say to myself, this guy's overproducing. Oh, that guy's terrible. Yeah, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard. It's kind of hard like that. So I'll be, I'll be honest. It's very it's very hard to, to to take yourself out of it. Can you see it? Can you when you watch somebody else's work? Yeah. You sit there and say, because I actually was able to do this over time. I couldn't do it right away, but I could do it over time. Like I'd say, oh, without seeing the credits, I'd say, oh, that's so and so producing, that's so and so directing, that's so and so. I mean, you got to know their styles. Yes. Yeah, you could do that, right? Yeah, I, I'll tell you right now. I can. I think I can call a director like Bill Webb doing the work. I think I can call his replay sequences. Um automatically when 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 doing it he never changed he never you know what i mean he, like he never changed he, he acted like he was doing seven camera seven camera baseball game i knew every replay sequence the way it was going to happen so i said oh yeah bill webb bill webb did bill webb did this yes i can i can tell automatically i wa watch a nick basketball game i'll be like oh how we say yeah i know i can tell right away oh i know you know what's even better i know when they're not doing the game i was like oh that was different so i'll, I'll say it like i'll say it like that Okay, that's well stated. Well stated. If um, if you could uh, go back in time, okay, and look at and since you have a historical knowledge of sports and you love sports, yep. there was one event that you could have worked on that obviously you didn't get a chance to work on, or just was out here out of your time era, right? What 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 event would it be? What game would it be? What event would it be if you could go back in time and work on one thing as as a producer? Like what? What would you like to have produced that you didn't get a chance to do? Wow, that's a that's a great question. Yeah, nobody's ever asked me that question before. That's a great. That's that's a that's a that's a great question. What event? So, all right, I'm a, I'm a huge um I'm a huge college bas I'm a huge college basketball fan. Yeah. So I would, and I'm a I wish it's, it'll be two. It'll, be, it'll probably be two things. Um. Final Four, nineteen eighty-two. Georgetown versus North Carolina. Michael Jordan hit the big shot. Fred Brown throws the ball away. One of one of the most like uh, remembers. I wish I wish I I wish I worked on that game. Like one of the dreams is definitely to do to do um to do the final to do a Final Four, to do that. And then ah. So that that'll be that that'll definitely be that that'll definitely be one. Oh man, and any 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 basketball game with um with uh Michael Jordan and the Bulls something something with uh, Michael Jordan and the Bulls. Just because I think he's probably been the greatest uh like like uh athlete in my in my lifetime. So I think something something with him something like a game with him like maybe a big playoff game Michael Jordan like like doing that. Right. Yeah, I, I think I think. I think those two like kind of kind of kind of event. 
maybe like Jordan versus the Knicks or something wow. like that. That, okay. that would be that would be it for me. And then you know, and if the Yankees ever made the World Series, right? To to work on that, I know you had to put. I know you flip you being as a Yankee fan, kind of a legacy connector and stuff like that. To do a Yankees, to do a Yankee World Series. Oh yeah, it was great. Be, I, I worked up some be, of that. I love it. Awesome. It's great. It's a, that's a great thing. It's a great feeling, and it's wonderful. I uh, you know, I don't know. I, that's it's 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 it is a thought provoking question for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, would you want to be like with Babe Ruth in his 60th? So when mm-hmm. allegedly and he pointed in 1933 at World Series and he pointed, I'm going to hit the next pitch right for a home run, right? He allegedly did it. Allegedly. Um, yeah. It's been interesting to be, you know, involved, see that or to see the 1960 World Series, uh, which were the Yankees lost in four games to three, but the Yankees had outscored the Pirates, like, I don't know, by about 30 runs. Yeah. And then and, and Mickey Mantle said that, you know, that. That, you know, he didn't begrudge them that they won. He says that he really lamented the fact because the Yankees he thought was such a much better team and should have won those the series and they didn't. And it was a big lament and it was a crazy World Series. I mean, so there are just things you look back on in the history of anything and you say, "Wow, it's been great to have been there and been part of that." And yeah, you know, but uh, you know, we, we are in the time and place we are. But uh, um, is there anything like? Let me ask you this: mm-hmm. what What is it that we've talked about, about a lot of things since we've had you here? What is it that you would say? Uh, that you would that people do not know about you, that you know they don't know this part about you, and you, you'd want them to know this about you, but they don't have a clue of this about you. So that you they don't know this about you, but you want them to know this about you. What would it be? Ah, man, that's a good. What? <laughs> that's a good. That's a. That's a. I'm trying. Um... I mean, obviously, I'm not sure people realize, like, me doing what I'm doing right now, it's, it's like a dream job for me. Like, I don't want to do anything else. I don't want to do anything. Like, for me, this is the pinnacle, right, in life. I don't want to do anything else. This is this is all I want to do. I want to I want to produce Yankee baseball games. This is, I mean, as far as, so for me, I've kind of reached, I've reached the goal of, of what I want to do in, in life. I'm 50, I'm 50 years old. I'm producing Yankee games. I mean, um, this is you're telling me you you can ask a third grade teacher of mine. It's like if, if they if you say, hey, Troy Benjamin's like, yeah, I can see that. This is this is it for me, man. You know what I'm saying? It's like a guy reaching the baseball, like getting getting called up in the big leagues and going to the Hall of Fame or whatever. I'm doing Yankee baseball games, man. This is like this is my team. So this is my team that I've watched every day of my life from since 1980. So that this is it for me. That I, you know, I, I don't have dreams of any, anything else. This, I'm living, I'm living a dream out right now. When, when did you realize that you wanted to do this? Wanted to get into TV production, and you saw the lane. Oh, the big goal is to become lead producer for Yankee games. Yeah. So I, I'll be honest with you, Justin. I didn't. I always wanted to be. Um. I always wanted to be like a, a sports call talk show radio host, right? I wanted to be like. A, I wanted to be like a, the. Black I think. You, I think there's still room in life for you yeah, to do so that. I was, you're, you're that. You're that good with this. Yeah. So I always wanted to do that. But then when I when I started become a runner in college, you know, you see other like, um, I'm at West Virginia and um CBS Sports comes in. You're a runner. You go into the TV truck. You kind of see. You know. You're kind of fascinated by it. You're seeing what's going on behind the scenes. And then you see what, wow, these guys are actually controlling what you're seeing, what you're seeing at home, right? So then you, you start to think about that a little bit. Then just working your way up, right? Becoming a PA uh associate director. And then when you're an associate director, you could go two routes. You could either be a director or you could become a producer. 
then then I realized, hey, oh, I'll be good at that. I, I think I think producing would be good at at that because from working with you, like, hey, I can I can't I can't be the announcer, the play by play guy, but I can I can enhance that I can enhance that person. And I and I wanted to do that. So I would say probably it started at yes when I worked behind like you know good guys like Bill Bowling and Kevin Smolin and those guys, good producers. So seeing what they did, that definitely gave me the, the itch to do that because I, I would have been happy being a being an AD, associate director, you know, you're part of the guild, you live a good life. But then you see the producer, you know, you work, it's your show. It becomes your show. I'm, I'm shaping the lives of the, like the next Troy Benjamin, like how he sees the Yankees or like how he's seeing the Yankees. Right. So I'm like, Hey, I want to, I want to do that. I love like, that. I was, there's a guy that used to work at Pixar. I think his name was Don Carney. Right. And, um, and I'm watching this as a baseball game. So I remember this guy as a kid. So when I, one time I, I think uh, John Moore, he used to direct the games. And I said, hey, I remember, did Don Carney used to do this? He goes, how do you know Don Carney? I said, I just remember his name as, as a little kid watching the Yankee games, man. So I don't know, Justin. It's just like that's, hey, this is just my lane, man. And everybody, if you can find your lane in life, like what you want to do, man, this is this is it, this is it for me. No, I, I get it. Like those those names that Michael reads it off at the end of every telecast, like for the longest time since I was uh, a, you know, a young teenager, names that are like embedded in my brain – are Kevin Smolin, Woody Fryman, yeah. and Mr. John J. Filippelli. John J. Filippelli, yeah. <laughs> That's it. Like long before I was ever even in this stratosphere, yes. uh, you know, as, as a regular average watching fan, like, boom, those three names are, are in my head forever and they're never going to leave. So, yeah, that that's probably what a lot of uh, younger fans are going through with Troy Benjamin when yeah. Michael reads off the name. That's That's fascinating. That's really cool. I think I should add like a middle name, like I should go Troy D. Benjamin instead of like, you know, like John J. <laughs> Filippelli. So it's like kind of like sticks in your brain a little bit more. I should no, like not put that D. in there a little bit. Not D, put the. The Troy. The. The. Troy D. Benjamin. Yes. That's a good All right. One. one more before we let you go here. Uh, three sports guests at dinner. Who would they be? Jackie Robinson. Muhammad Ali. Dave Winfield. List. That's a pretty good list. Yeah, Dave Winfield is my favorite. Is my favorite. Is my favorite athlete of all time, man. So that that would be. Yeah, have you met him for the years. You must have met him. It's the only time I've ever been starstruck in my life. Look, only time I ever when I when I when I really? I was at Channel Nine and we were and I had to go out as a PA to to get sound like Old Timers Day. Yeah, and I saw Dave. You know, I saw Dave Winfield and I just I froze, man. I was just like, man, that's Dave. That's when I knew. That's when I was like, oh my god, that's Dave Winfield. So that that was that was that moment when I realized I got starstruck. Never been really starstruck any any other time, but Dave Winfield that that got me. I was like that when I met Jared. Jared Fashnek did that to me. Uh, oh wow, that's quite yeah. a list. That's a great list. Great list. No, flip for real. Like, do you have that one athlete like past? Uh, you know that yeah. that was a kind of yeah. like larger than life, larger yeah. than life moment. Yeah, Joe Namath. Yeah, uh, won an Emmy uh, or something some years ago, and I got up, went to accept it. Namath was the presenter. I remember going on stage, and I got up on stage, and I never did this before. I, I, I looked, and I went, "Like, wow, Joe Namath." It was like that's what I said. It was that was the first thing I said. It was like because Namath was like my my idol, my hero. He was as mm -hmm. bigger than life. And when we grew up in this area, in New York, and 
I mean, Namath was incredible. Namath, you know, you grow up with Namath, Jeter. Like, those are big, large, really large names. And Mickey Mantle was a huge name. And, you know, and, and so I, but to me, meeting, uh, meeting Namath was, so it was that kind of moment. It was that Dave Winfield kind of moment to me. For me, it was. Awesome. Mine's a, mine's Troy Aikman. Very Troy random. Aikman. I grew up in a family of, of Dallas Cowboy fans because they, they latched on during the heydays in the seventies because when, or, you know, around this area, if you were watching the NFL on cable, like the Giants and Jets, they weren't that good. They didn't mm-hmm. get those games locally. They had a lot of Cowboy games, a lot of Viking, you know, games, Steeler games. So my family came from, uh, you know, we were, we were Dallas Cowboy fans. So I grew into that whole early nineties dynasty. Uh, I think the real way, you know, I wasn't just like some front running Cowboy fan. Like we would take family trips to Texas stadium in Irving and, you know, maybe go out to uh, Sun Devil Stadium in Tempe, watch him play the Cardinals. So before I became a Yankee fan, I was a massive Cowboy fan. And I'm not even that big of a football fan anymore now. But uh, still, if I ever met Troy Aikman, I, I would probably get jelly leg. Like, that's 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 my guy. I've wow. known you for, I never knew you were a Cowboy. It's funny. I've known yeah. you for years. And I never, I never, never, I never knew that. Yeah. Uh, All-time favorite athlete. And that's probably like the one dude who I'd get starstruck over, for sure. Troy, thanks so much for joining us here on Curtain Call. I think you do an amazing job. You've taught me a lot uh, just dealing with you, you know, on a on a daily basis. Whenever I have the the good fortune of working uh, on you know on assignments for you, yes, and uh, really appreciate you, man. Really appreciate yeah. you coming on. And, this is uh, great, Justin. And we just got to get flipped. The next the next step is like when you're calling a Yankee game on on TV, and I'm in your ear, and then then you know, then you then you will have that big moment when you're doing. I know you're feeling for Sterling and you did all that stuff, but once you when, when you get that chance to do the Yankee game on TV, then I then and you got Troy Benjamin telling you what to do. Five, four, three, two, one, Justin, we're back. Then you know you've made it in life, man. Now That's I'm the kidding. pinnacle. Yeah, those, those commands are tight. Those yes. commands are tight for yes. Troy Benjamin. You gotta yes. you gotta hit them. Yeah. Hey, this was a lot of fun, man. I appreciate you guys having me on. Troy, this Thanks. will serve as your review. <laughs> so I don't so, have a big review. So that- that contract to... negotiation, this this will help. This will help that, right? The next, the next, the next go around. Yeah, we don't want to talk about the contract. <laughs> Get some Bring it to left. the table, Troy. Bring it to the table. Bring oh, it next man. time. We'll talk about it next oh, time. This was a blast. Good this job, was buddy. a blast, fellas. All right, Good take job. care, Troy. Thank you yep, so much for doing it, Troy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Thanks again so much for, for Troy Benjamin for coming on here. Uh, very impressive group of dinner guests, John. Uh Jackie Robinson, Muhammad Ali, and uh, who who was the third one? Oh, ooh. Dave Winfield. Yes, Dave Winfield, his guy, his guy. Um, who who are your three dinner guests in sports? Oh, I never thought about that. Well, Namath is my, my hero, so it would mm-hmm. be one. Um, Jeter, but I actually had dinner with you. So I, did. <laughs> I actually did. I had dinner with him once. Uh, so let's take Jeter. So he's not on the list. So I would say, uh, oh, I don't know, Namath. Uh, you know, I'll go with Ali, too. Ali is so fascinating. You have to say you want that experience, what that would be like to have a conversation with him. That would be awesome. But So I would say, uh, you know, Ali. Namath, Ali, and uh, one more that I would want to have dinner with that uh, – um well that's a really tough that's a hard question <laughs> for me um you know, i'll have to get back to you on that one i, I don't I'm, okay i can't think of a third one that i'd got to note it down john's third dinner guest from the sports world perfect yes, we'll get okay. to that same one. yes i mean i give you at least two thirds of them <laughs> <laughs> two, two people i want to have dinner with 
are looking ahead. An open seat, by the way. An open seat is nice too, because then you know it's less people talking. It's easier, to, easier on you. An open seat is okay. Open seat. Hey, a guest may walk in, walk by the table. You say, "Hell, oh, come sit down with us." Oh, have dinner. Have dinner yeah. with Muhammad Ali, Joe Namath, and myself. I mean, this 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 restaurant that you're at has to be pretty yeah. high profile. It has to be good. So, um, you you might have some type of sports luminary yeah. walking around there for yeah. the open seat. Good idea there. Um, something happened as as we close out this episode this week, and you know we could potentially land a plane with something else, but just kind of taking a look at some of the big news around Major League Baseball, the the, the situation in Oakland, California, uh, here this week over the last few days, it led to the fans coming out for reverse boycott night. They had just under thirty thousand fans pack the Coliseum, and that is a stadium that is averaging probably around. Oh, a hard number. I can't. I know it's fewer than ten thousand per game. So that's that's right around most minor league uh, stadium numbers. There, reverse boycott night was awesome to see on television. Do you think that goes down as one of the all-time memorable singular nights in baseball history, along with nights like like Disco Demolition Night at Old Comiskey or Ten Cent Beer Night in Cleveland? What do you think? I don't know if it goes down with Disco Demolition or Ted Center because of the riotous situation that they both caused. So this was not a riot. This was just more of a, a you know, a take a walk kind of protest deal. Um, the I don't look, the fans have a right. Anytime you 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 the fans who were there who were boycotting, went up the reverse boycott thing, they were fans. They were real A's fans. And they're the the A's have lost a lot of their fan base through the years and it's not playing well. It's, in, it's, in, it's not playing well over the last. They've had one good year in the last several, and uh, you know the, the fan base has sort of slowly but surely gone away, and what's left of it isn't very large. And now the team is moving. And now they're going to move. So you know the team is going to move. The fan base isn't very large. It's just what's left of the fan base saying, "Okay, I want to. I want to make a statement. Here's my statement. I think f you." And that was the statement they made. So they have every right to make that statement. They do, and they have every right to feel the way they do. And the A's have every right to sort of say, you know, we, we're we not being supported because they're not really being supported. They don't have the fans coming to the games that they need, the economic side of it, to make this work. So that part of it, it doesn't work. And so they're going to move, and it's their right to move. And I'm not defending the A's. I'm not indicting the fans. I'm not, I'm not indicting or defending anybody. I'm just saying that I think that I understand why the fans feel the way they do, and I understand why the team feels the way it does. And but for it will it'll be remembered on some levels for a lot of things. It'll certainly be remembered. Uh, if anything, even if it's just an inaccurate type, it'll be remembered for something. But it will be remembered. And I think it was interesting that the fans took that, decided to have a, to sort of fight back, if you will, and make a statement. And and I say good for the fans, and I say good for the A's for dealing with it. And and, uh, and you know everybody got their say, and we move on now. But. Uh, but I, but I understand it from both sides. I do understand this from both sides of the equation. I do. I do, too. I understand it from the team perspective, the fan perspective. Also, I understand it from the city of Oakland's perspective uh, as well. But just for the night, uh, I thought it was a, a beautiful, emotional night. Like, it was a very emotional setting for those fans to kind of get that off their their chests. And and they, they did it in a really re- respectful and uh, very organized way. As well, like at this point in, in 2023, um, you know, the, the the creative approach that they had there, the synchronization 
uh, you know, between the chants, when to do them, stay silent at certain points in the game. I think it was very, very well done. I think it is going to go down uh, as one of the the better singular nights uh, in in baseball history and one that we're going to really always remember. So it, it happened before us. And hey, the uh, the A's beat the the Rays as well. The A's were actually playing well at the time. They they took down the best team in baseball at the time they were playing. That was that was pretty impressive and a nice cherry on top to go along with the night itself. All right, John, uh, anything else you want to land the plane with this week? No, in the words of the great Ashley Pagazi, my long time, still current. Uh, um, sidekick, I guess. Uh, she's my assistant. Uh, the best there is. It's time to land the plane. So it's time to land the plane, Justin. Let's, let's, the runway, I see the runway and the altitude we're descending. So let's hit let's put the wheels to the, to the tarmac. Let's go home, baby. Let's go home. Yankees in Boston this weekend against the Red Sox. Uh, be on the lookout for that. Yes, Network will have it on Friday night. Uh, another important AL East division series for the New York Yankees. Thanks to Troy Benjamin for joining us here. Thanks to our terrific producer, Dan Besson. And if you are not already doing so, quick reminder, subscribe to the podcast. That way you never miss the latest episode. For John J. Filippelli, I'm Justin Shackle. We'll talk to you next time on the Curtain Call Podcast, a production of the Yes Network. Take care, everybody.